The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. I often do to reread the scripture when I come back up right before preaching for reiteration's sake. The Bible says, for our light affliction, this is Paul speaking, for our light affliction, says, which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And as I speak tonight on who or what causes suffering, we're going to go just a little bit deeper than we went last Sunday night as the series on understanding suffering. Last Sunday night, as we talked about suffering, we talked about how Christians often face that suffering. And in so doing, uh, I shared some thoughts such as it keeps the world from becoming too attractive to us. Uh, It uh, uh, causes us uh, to be our best. It gives us an occasion to silence the enemies of God as we face suffering in our lives. It makes us appreciate the things that we often take for granted when we go through suffering. It makes us depend on God more when we go through suffering. It purifies us when we go through suffering. It makes us sympathetic to others as uh, we go through suffering because now we can identify with them as perhaps they go through suffering. Uh, It teaches us how to pray. Now tonight, as we go, we're going to enter into a little bit more of a difficult field to answer some questions here on who or what is responsible for suffering, uh, which God allows uh, to exist. Uh, Is it the work of God himself? There's a question. Is it the work of Satan? Uh, Is it the work of that which is uh, simply natural causes uh, for that which is the world that we live in? Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you some statements. If you care to write them down, you can. If not, I ask that you pay very close attention. So what is it tonight? What causes suffering? Who causes suffering? Statement number one, uh, suffering may be the result of our own actions. Suffering may be the result of our own actions. Uh, I think the Bible is clear when it talks about this. Uh, over in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, here's what our Bible teaches. The Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Uh, for he that soweth to the, his flesh shall reap a corruption, but he that soweth, it says, to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. So there is the time of reaping that which you you did so. I grew up uh, the first six years of my life, as most of you know, that I've had the privilege to pastor for some time now. Uh, I grew up on a 180-acre farm. It was in the hilly side of Maryland where you have rolling hills and beautiful farms, many farmlands throughout that uh, region. And I grew up on on such terrain, a beautiful, beautiful farm. 180 acres. Uh, We had uh, many acres that we would call planting acres. We planted in those acres. We had corn. We had wheat. uh, We had uh, all sorts of other things we'd plant in the garden. uh, But corn predominantly is what we did, and wheat, and then we had hay, of course. All farmers mostly have hay, and so we had that. We would sell it, and of course we would uh, be able to get the money or the funds that we needed to be able to operate the farm. And, uh, of course, we did other stuff as well. But I remember when we wanted corn to come up, we planted corn. Why? Because as a man soweth, 
that shall we also reap. Uh, when we wanted wheat or we wanted that which is uh, hay to come up, we'd plant the grain for that. Why? As a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So God has created the world in such a way that it's governed by that which is natural laws. We understand that there's the laws of cause and effect. We understand that there's the laws of action and reaction. We understand that there's the laws of sowing and reaping. I just read about just a few minutes ago. Give me an example. Uh, my mother, uh, testimonial-wise, said this. I started smoking when I was seven. My dad, testimonial-wise, said I started smoking when I was five or six. I can't remember. Uh, my mother died at the age of 57, lung cancer. My dad died at the age of, uh, excuse me, 54. Mama died, lung cancer. 57, daddy died, lung cancer. All my brothers, I have uh, three other brothers, were all almost evenly spaced apart, six years apart. Uh, my older brother, six years being, I'm next to the oldest. My oldest brother, six years older than I, he died at age 57, lung cancer. You say, well, why did they die? As a man soweth, that shall he also reap. A person can't step off of a 10-foot building and hope for good results. As a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You can't run in front of a Mack truck and have good results. As a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You can't eat continually a non-nutritious meal and nothing but junk do you eat and have good results. As a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Uh, I've been pastor here almost 10 years, coming up February 10, be 10 years, and uh, uh, I've met with 18 families uh, and others about small financial debt, but I'm talking about 18 families that have had devastating large amounts of debt. And we've been able to work through it, now they're debt free, but uh, 18 families that was just upside down with their finances uh, because they spent money the way they should not perhaps have spent that money. Um, I was over in New Delhi, India. I got off the plane. I fly to different countries, as you well know. Got off the plane with Brother uh, Pilowathigo. We're walking through the airport. And inside the airport of New Delhi, uh, all of a sudden, I noticed there was just fog everywhere. I said, this is amazing to me. Uh, it's so foggy outside. The fog has come into the airport. He said, preacher, that's not fog. That's pollution. He said, the average person in New Delhi doesn't live past the age of 50. Uh, why? Because the pollution is so dense, people die because of the pollution. As a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Uh, I, was, uh, uh, I was over preaching, and uh, this was uh, over in Bangkok, Thailand. The pastor said, you want to go to a leper colony? I said, yeah, I do. Went to a leper colony. But can I tell you, inside the leper colony, as I was preaching, can I tell you, I made sure that I was protected. Uh, one time a pastor said, this is also in Bangkok, Thailand, he said there's, uh, we couldn't get into the schools, uh, the monks had shut it down on us uh, temporarily, so we weren't able to get into schools like normal. Tried to get in hospitals, it just wasn't working. But we went there to preach the gospel to the masses. 
And so I said, well, where can we go? He said, outside of Bangkok, Thailand, on the side of the mountain, uh, there is that which is uh, uh, the, the Buddhist temple. But this Buddhist temple is a hospital. He said, you want to go? I said, why is it on outside the, outside the city? Why is it on the outside of the city? Why is it on the inside of the city? I mean, why is it on the side of the mountain? He said, every single patient is dying of AIDS. He said, you still want to go? I said, yeah, let's go. So I took the team. Uh, we uh, put on all uh, that we needed to put on, and we went bed to bed to bed to give the gospel to those AIDS patients uh, that was getting ready to die. Now, wait a minute, can I tell you, uh, people do need the Lord. Uh, you ought not to be scared in giving people the gospel, but at the very same time, you need to take protective measurements when giving people the gospel in areas whereby you could become contaminated. Uh, you have to be careful. There is things out there uh, that could destroy you. There's contagious diseases. A person having sex outside of marriage is in a very dangerous spot. Can I tell you, there's contagious diseases, there's dangerous chemicals, there's pollutants. Uh, what we want to do is we want to make sure that we sow in the right area. Suffering may be the result of somebody's own actions. Suffering may be the result of somebody not understanding as a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Somebody that violates that which is a natural law will pay the price of it. Uh, you see people in car wrecks all the time. Why? Sometimes you'll see it's because of careless driving. Because of careless driving as a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Uh, can I say, suffering may be the result of somebody's own action. Statement number two, suffering may be the work of Satan. Suffering may very well be the work of Satan. The Bible presents Satan as a cause of suffering several times in the Scripture. You'll see in the book of Job, chapter 1, verses 6 through 12, you'll see that there's the total story that gives you the, uh, the view of why Job was going through suffering. You'll see in verse 6, especially, the Bible says that there was a day when the sons of man came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. The Bible says in verse 7, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan in verse 8, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth. A, a perfect man, upright, uh, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Verse 9, the Bible says, And Satan answered, uh, Lord, he said, uh, uh, Doth uh, Job fear God for naught? In verse 10, he says, Thou, listen to it now, hast thou made a hedge about him? Uh, uh, if you would please, about his house and about all that he have on every side. This is Satan talking to God. And the Bible says, And, and thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and the substance and is increased in the land. And the Lord said, in verse 12, uh, unto Satan, Behold, he says, All uh, that he hath, he says, is in thy power. He says, only upon himself put not forth thy hand. He said, look, uh, you're the prince in power of the air. Uh, all that he has is under your power. He says, but look, I'm going to tell you something. He said, don't take his life. 
and Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now, can I tell you, sometimes the devil attacks. Now, by the way, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't say this. Uh, there was an actor years ago by the name of Flip Wilson. He always had the saying, he said, the devil made me do it. Don't use that as you're out. Uh, you ought to be so wise in your scriptures, so wise in your Bible knowledge, that you don't use that as your scapegoat for doing wrong. Uh, you and I ought to know our Bible so well that we know the Bible says the devil's devices. We know exactly what he's going to try to do. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 5 and in verse 8, the Bible says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, uh, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So realize that. Can I tell you, dads, the devil's after you. Can I tell you, moms, the devil is after you. The devil doesn't want you in church tonight. The devil doesn't want you here in preaching tonight. The devil doesn't want you to be able to have a prosperous life in serving Jesus Christ. He doesn't want that. He wants you to get as far out of the will of God as you possibly can get. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your future. He wants to destroy others through you. I'm saying tonight, be wise to the devil devices. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 9, the Bible says, whom resists steadfast. Who's he talking about? Contextually, he's talking about the devil. He says, whom resists steadfast. It says, in the faith. So he tells you how you're supposed to resist him. How do you do it? In the faith and be steadfast with it. The Bible says, knowing uh, that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, uh, 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 now the devil has got some of your brethren, brethren, saved people. How many times have we seen people uh, get hoodwinked by the devil? How many times have we seen a Christian that was on fire, living for God, serving God, but now they're not? You know why? Because the devil through his devices hooked them and got them out of the way. May I remind you please, the Bible teaches us that the devil would try to get you to disappear. Disappear from what, preacher? Church. Amen. Disappear from what, preacher? Living a righteous life so that somebody else can be able uh, not to use you as a stumbling block so that they would die and go to hell, so that they would die outside of the will of God. I'm saying tonight, we understand that sometimes the devil brings a suffering. May I remind you please that even during that time, if you stay close to God, God always wins. Don't forget uh, the rest of the story about Job. Job at the end of his life had double, 10 children in heaven, another 10 children on earth. All the flocks that he had before, because he passed the test, God blessed him. You say, I just can't do it, preacher. You don't understand. I just can't do it. The devil's got my number. The devil has rung my bell. The devil is calling my phone. The devil's got my attention. Can I say, what you ought to do is flee. And flee unto God. And let God be the one that helps you to stand against the wicked wiles of the devil.
Uh, God can help you to be able to stand and pass the test. Uh, don't forget, uh, there's been good men over the years, such as 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. It talked about Paul. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Most Bible students believe this as they read the book of Corinthians. As Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he writes in large letters. And so most Bible students believe that he was losing his sight. The Bible says that Paul uh, went to the Lord three times and said, Hey, can you deliver me from this? Can you deliver me from this? Can you deliver me from this? And Paul understood good and well that it was God's will that he goes through this time in his life. By the way, every person in here, I don't care what age you are, I don't care if you believe it or not, one day you're going to get old. It's going to happen. One day you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to say, I see my dad. And it's you that you're looking at. You're going to look in the mirror and you're going to say, I see my mother. Hello? It's going to happen. You better determine while you're young how you're going to serve God in old age. If aches and uh, cramps and uh, pain stops you now when you're young, there's probably not going to be much hope for you when you get older. You're going to have to decide, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to serve God when I'm in pain. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to serve God when all of a sudden I start seeing gray hair. You have to determine it now. You have to decide it now. You have to plot your course now. Uh, you know, some, some people are losing their memory a little bit. That's okay. Write yourself notes. Put them all over the house. Write one. Put it beside, if you would please, your sink. The, uh, the keys are hanging up by the door but by the time you leave the sink and you make it to the kitchen you forgot you know that so you write another one in the kitchen the keys are hanging up by the door you might want to put arrows on the wall all the way through where the keys are hey there's there's ways to get around it hello by the way we got young people in the church you're an older person, uh, you need uh, 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 help because your children's not doing it and uh, uh, meeting some needs that you have in your life, we try to help. We try to be a blessing. May I say this, may I say that the devil many times will try to attack. James chapter 1 and verse 2, the, the Bible records this, my brethren, count it all joy when, fall, when you fall into divers' temptations. He said, count it joy. The Bible says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let, your, let uh, patience have her perfect way that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask it of God, that give it to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given you. So all of a sudden the trial comes, the temptation comes, the problems come. It might be a good time to turn to God. God, give me wisdom. How do I handle this? God, what do I do? God, show me a direction. Help me out of this problem. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, the Bible says, But the God of all grace, 
who hath given us uh, unto us eter the etern his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after ye have suffered for a while. You mean there might be times where you have to suffer for a while? Yeah. After you suffer for a while, it says make you perfect. That means mature, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, wait a minute. So the devil puts you through the ringer. He's ringing you out. God said, after you go through it for a while, let me give you hope. Here's what you can look at. I, I'm going to uh, make you mature. I'm going to make you so that you're established. I'm going to make you so that you are stronger. And I'm going to settle you. Hello? So the devil comes along and starts picking on Brother Craig. Devil, Craig. So the devil comes along, starts picking on Brother Craig. Just picking on him, picking on him. So Brother Craig runs to an older man, says, the devil's picking on me, what do I do? So what we do is we go to the scriptures. By the way, that doesn't mean the devil stops. What it does mean that he's getting stronger. He's able to resist more. Small Christians, well, he does a good job. He's been there before. Uh, he said he learns from his children. I'm not saying that publicly. All right, now wait a minute. So the devil keeps... Hey, you're not going to get the devil off your back. Now wake up to it. You're not going to do it. He's going to be there every single waking hour. He's going to try and get your attention. He's going to try and get you to stop. He's going to try and get you to turn around. He's going to try and get you to go a different direction. You're not going to control the devil, but here's what you can do. You can control your faith. Amen. You get in your Bible, you get in church, you listen to preaching, you listen to Bible teaching, God builds your faith, you get stronger and stronger and stronger, and though he keeps picking on you and picking on you and picking on you, after a while, because you resist him, you simply just walk on. Thank you, be seated. So you'll never outrun the devil. You never outgrow the devil. But you can become wise to his devices. When the devil starts picking on you and says, hey, you ought not to go to church. You ought not to read your Bible. You ought not to pray. Realize who's putting that in your head. God's not going to do it. Driving down the road and all of a sudden you start thinking a wicked thought. Who's doing that? You say, well, yeah, but it's just not right. Then say it was right. But you've got a God that's greater. Point in case. He says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The devil's the prince and power of the air. But according to the Bible, he cannot take possession of a Christian. Uh, you're under the blood of Christ. Now, can I tell you tonight what you need to do is uh, every time the devil came against our Lord, here's what he said. He said, it is written he didn't say leave me alone devil I'll take care of you no even Jesus Christ understood there's power in the word yet we have young people that say well I'll tell you what I'll never sin I'll be a man I'll live for God 
I'll do it all by myself. Yet you never read your Bible. You never memorize scripture. You talk and you carry on when you're in church. You fall asleep when you're in church. You're texting your friends when you're in church. No wonder you're in trouble. You can't make it by yourself. A fact of the matter is, you're not making it. So what do you do? You have to come to God. You're going to fail. You're going to fail miserably. One day we'll see you in jail or under the jail simply because the devil got your number. He pulled you in and he ultimately uh, finished his course and now you're ruined. I'm saying this. I'm saying tonight that as we consider the suffering, suffering may be the result of our own actions. Number two, Suffering may be the work of Satan. Number three, suffering may be the chastisement of God. You know, Sylvia and I, we love our children. And uh, when our children would do wrong, we'd pull them in, we'd tell them what they did wrong, and uh, we would punish them. More often than not, when they were little children, uh, the result of that doing wrong would be a good old-fashioned paddle. When Jonathan, before Jonathan was born and we received news that we were going to have a baby, uh, I had a friend of mine to carve out a wooden paddle. We gave him a name. His name is Mr. Woody. In case you didn't catch that, he's made of wood. Mr. Woody has been kidnapped. Mr. Woody has been held for ransom. Mr. Woody has disappeared many times through all the ages of our children. We still have Mr. Woody. He's lived with us all the years of our married life of being able to have children. He hangs around the house. I don't use Mr. Woody on my wife, nor does she use Mr. Woody on me. I'm very thankful to make that announcement tonight. But God uses chastening. We never, we never punished, uh, spanked our children uh, because we did not uh, love our children. Oftentimes, I would say, go to the bedroom and think about what you did, and I would come in and we would have a conversation about what they did wrong. And we would sit and we would talk. And then I'd say, well, you know, you're going to have to receive a spanking for this. And uh, we would spank and take care of that. And then we would love and we would embrace and we would get Bible scripture and we would walk together. And did you know what would take place after that is uh, they knew that what they did was wrong, but they also saw the pathway of doing right. And we love them and we walk beside them and they've grown into uh, outstanding adults that try to serve God. Now, may I say, uh, when God chastens you, it's not because that God hates you. Which is just not right. Here I am and I'm trying to serve God. And I lost my job. I'm trying to serve God. And I got a disease. I'm trying to serve God. I've got a dysfunctional heart problem. I'm trying to serve God. I tithe. I go to church. And I had a car accident. Uh, can I tell you, if there is that time where it's a result of our own actions, don't blame God. Don't blame the devil. Understand it for what it is. Person runs a stop sign, hits another vehicle broadside. You can't blame that on God. You can't blame that on the devil. You have to take self-blame. 
a person uh, has uh, sexual activity outside of the bonds of marriage and they get some type of disformant a disease that shows up in their children. You, you can't, I'm sorry, but you can't blame that on God. You can't blame that on the devil. You have to blame that on your own tomfoolery. There's things that you cannot say, okay, it's the devil's fault. It's God's fault. Sometimes you need to take the blame where the blame is due. And it's your fault. But there is times when the devil does his work. And there is times when God does chasten. In the Old Testament, you see this, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 5, the Bible says, Thou shalt also consider thine heart. It says that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. So sometimes a God will chasten his children because they are his sons, and he does love them. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 through 13, the Bible says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither, it says, be weary of his correction. Listen to the words right here. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. So sometimes God will chasten one of his own because he loves them. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19, the Bible says, uh, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore and repent. So sometimes God will chasten because he loves. The Bible even goes farther than that over in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 5 through 8. The Bible says that if a child of God that is despising God uh, doesn't receive rebuke and doesn't receive chastening, uh, that he's, it's really because he's not a child. He's not a child of God. Now may I tell you tonight that God does chasten people. Well, I can sin and God's not judging me. I wonder if you're really saved. Well, I'm just getting away with it. It's okay. Look, I can slap God upside the head and he's just asleep. It's not the same God I know. May I tell you tonight that God does send judgment. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 31 through 33. The Bible talks about that he delights in us when we fulfill his purpose. But in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9, when we don't, there's correction. Uh, when we don't uh, be those that live holy lives, there's correction. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Uh, when we don't yield ourselves, there's no peace. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11. So uh, what happens? What happens when all of a sudden we receive a chastening of the Lord? What happens? Well, let me give you a couple incidents tonight, and I'll shut it down. What happens when a child of God receives chastening of the Lord? Well, the Bible talks about in the book of Amos, chapter 4, uh, verses 6 through 10. If you'll read it later, you'll find out that uh, here was people that fled to one city because God gave rain in one city, but he didn't give rain in another city. In other words, here's what God was doing. God was chastening one city, but he was blessing another city. Isn't that something? By the way, does that remind you of some things that's happening here in our country? How people are moving from one state to another state because one state has plenty 
and another state is famishing? Does that remind you of some things that's happening in our country? Wait a minute. Uh, you see that two cities or three cities, the Bible says in Amos chapter 4 and verse 8, they wandered into one city just to get a drink of water. So here's, uh, the Bible uses this, so two or three cities wandered onto one city to drink water. God was blessing one city, but not blessing another city. The Bible says they even had gardens in verse 9. Uh, they had gardens and vineyards and fig trees and olive trees, and they increased. But here's what happened. God sent uh, uh, the, the palmer worm to devour them. God said, you can plant all you want to. I'm still in control. Uh, the Bible talks about in Amos chapter 4 and verse 10 that uh, he said, I sent among you pestilence, the Bible says, after the manner of Egypt. And your young men uh, have I slain with the sword. How many gangs do we find in big cities across America and in other cities across America, comparably so, of the same type of population, you don't have as much gun violence. What is that? See, oftentimes we'll see this, that God will use another country to judge a country. Oftentimes you find this in your scriptures that God would use, um, if you would please, uh, 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 another population to judge another population. May I say this tonight, that uh, we receive and go through suffering sometimes because we violate the very nature of law that God has given us. Sometimes it's a work of Satan. Sometimes it's a chastisement of God. You say, well, how can I tell what it is? Sometimes you might not know. Sometimes you might not know. It's kind of easy, I think, Dr. Bachman, to figure out, well, if I do this, I'm eventually going to reap this. Even a person with not much common sense can figure that out. But you say, how can I tell if it's uh, uh, Satan and his devices? Or how can I tell if it's God? in his chastisement but it might be hard sometimes so here's what i would suggest when you go through a time of chastisement in your life do all that you possibly can to examine yourself can't go wrong by doing that examine yourself am i walking in god's will or outside god's will examine yourself am i pleasing god in every avenue in my life or am I off a little bit? Examine yourself. When you go through suffering, it should be a time where you draw close to God. You draw close to God. By the way, even if you bring suffering upon your own life because you did something that was not the wisest, it's the time to get close to God. Oh, you say, well, Satan, he's buffeting me. It's time to get close to God. Well, God, he's, got, he's chastising me. It's time to get close to God. Because God's the one that will help you through the valley. God's the one that will guide you through your darkness. God's the one that will show the light at the end of the tunnel and say, come this direction. God's the one that does that. Don't ever do this. I love you. I beg you, don't ever do this. Well, I tell you what, a friend of mine, you know, they're, they're bitter towards God and I am too. No, don't ever take up somebody else's offense. We'll never do that because now you're living in the emotional arena that will eventually drain you was well, so-and-so they hurt my friend and 
because they hurt my friend. I'm never going to go back to that Sunday school class again. Oh, don't, don't ever do that. Best thing you'd ever do in your life. This is what we tell our young people here. Best thing, best thing, best thing, best thing, bar none ever do in your life. Find the will of God, settle it, and walk therein. Amen. See, when, when we came here, Dr. May asked me, he was the former pastor here. We were sitting in the truck right outside here. He said, I got a question for you. He said, what would the vote have to be for you to come? I said, well, what is your policy? He said, I think our policy, I'm saying I think, he was accurate, I'm just, I'm, I'm not for sure, it's been so many years ago, but I, I think he said is 76%. I said, so if we get 76%, we're going to come. He said, really? Now, praise God, we got 98%. I've always wondered who the 2% was. <laughs> but now, wait a minute, 76%. I said, I'll come. He said, explain that. I said, Dr. May, we know it's the will of God. We don't base the will of God on circumstance. We base the will of God on the known will of God. Now, because of that, we'll come no matter what it is. Just might mean if it's that low, I've got more battles to fight. But it'll be okay because it's God's will. See, here's what we do. Well, I tell you what, things are going great right now. Woo! Glad I'm in the will of God. Then all of a sudden you have a hiccup, another hiccup, hospital, bills, mother-in-law. Why are you so dead sent against mother-in-laws? Okay. Then here's what you do. You say, oh man, must not be the will of God. No, no, no. Once you settle the will of God, you stay in the will of God. You're always going to have trouble. You say, well, uh, if I just move someplace else, I'll not have trouble. The only problem is when you go, you take you with you. And you're the biggest trouble you have. Now, if you could go someplace else and leave you behind, you might not have trouble. But I think that's nigh impossible. Oh, come on. Some of you moved to Dallas because you came because of the church, and I thank God for you. You came because of the job, and you found the church, and I thank God for you. But when you came to Dallas, you thought, man, it's going to be wonderful. Then you found out there's traffic. Yeah. Then you found out that people that's in traffic are impatient. Yeah. Then worse than that, you found out that people that drive in traffic don't know how. Patrick's one of them. I'm just kidding. Now, wait a minute, watch this. <clears throat> what you always do, first thing, settle the, don't move to another location because of a job. Don't spend a lot of time and money moving far away from the church so that you got to, I would try and get as close as I possibly could, if possible, in a good neighborhood. So, so it's easy for you to serve God. Amen. After what, what are you going to do when the gas goes up? Right now it's good. Right. I think our administration has a lot to do with that. But right now it's good. Amen. What are you going to do when it's not good? 
I got friends in California right now. Okay, I'll tell you, Brother Donner, gas in California per gallon, what? $4. Listen, Californians, in Texas, it's $2 or so. Must be God's will. You don't move because of a job. You don't move because it's a difficult time. Here's what you do. You find the will of God and you walk therein. Well, I'm going to get a divorce. We're not getting along right. Was it God's will when you got married? God says, till death do you part. It's not talking about you killing your spouse. You stay in the will of God. Stay in the will of God. Stay in the will of God. God's will does not change. If God redirects you, God will be the one that redirects you. Most of the time, it's not because of circumstances. It's not because you have an emotional struggle. I met somebody in church and we don't get along. You met somebody in Walmart and you don't get along. I'm saying this tonight. I'm saying that suffering times will come. Examine yourself. Get close to God. Let God help you through. Let God help you through. One of the speakers did, uh, all the speakers did an outstanding job. One of the speakers gave a, uh, a statistic. It was, uh, I think Jonathan said, the average marriage in the U.S. lasts how long? Eight years. The average mar uh, American stays married in the U.S., according to documentation, only eight years. Now, can I tell you, you can do better than that. Amen. You can. You can. Sylvia and I married 35 years. Yeah. One day she'll lose all her teeth. I'll lose all my teeth. And we'll gum each other to death. Father bless, we do pray. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.